When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who live in an old house in Paris that was covered in vines with 12 little girls in two straight lines. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these films since we first saw them. I don't need the scripts. (laughs) We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 1998's Madeline. In an old house in Paris that was covered with vines. Come on, girls, let's go. Lived 12 little girls in two straight lines. They left the house at half past nine, and the smallest one was... Madeline! It's a mouse! I'm not afraid of mice. The world's most courageous redhead... I think we'll have to take out her appendix. ...is coming to the big screen. Was it scary? They cut a three-inch hole in me. So before we get into this week's movie, 1998's Madeline, it is time for our hot take of the week. Now, this one comes from Vicky M. She says, rank the Barbie movies. And that was just the prompt. But I said, since we haven't seen all of them, I chose that we should rank Princess and the Popper, Swan Lake, Rapunzel, and Nutcracker, because those are like our Barbie movies. Yes, those were the ones that we had. (sighs) This is easy for me. Let's think. Easy for me. I mean. I I think I know mine too, actually. Should we reveal them at the same time? What do you have for number one? Princess and the Popper is number one. I think all Barbie fans yes. pretty much agree on that if they're our age, roughly. I agree. Number two, I have as Rapunzel. Yeah. I'd say Rapunzel. It's kind of a toss-up between Rapunzel and Swan Lake. Kind of. But also, mm. Nutcracker has more memorable... Nutcracker actually is a little more memorable than Swan Lake. I agree. My, can I share what mine is? Yeah. Mine goes Princess and the Pauper, Rapunzel, Nutcracker, Nutcracker, Swan Swan Lake. Lake. Just because I don't really remember that much of Swan Lake. But I know that there's a lot of really cute little characters in it that were very annoying. Yeah, but they're like, if you're the kind of little kid who likes to uh, pretend to be like a baby, like magical baby, whatever, that would be the kind of thing that you would be into. I thought that was going to be harder. Yeah. It's it's not only because, obviously, Princess and the Poppers first. Duh. And then the rest kind of follow suit. But I did love watching the ballerina in Nutcracker Mm -hmm. because it's, like, extremely animated off models. 
Yes, it like, is. Like, to the point where it just looks like you're watching actual people. Yes. And that's fun. Vicky M., thank you very much for uh, that question. <laughs> Directive. <laughs> it was fun to think about. All right. Audrey, are you ready? Okay, so... 98's Madeline was released on July 10th, 1998 in theaters. Kind of hard to believe this was theatrically released. I don't know why, but... you I feel like you can tell when you watch it that it had to have been. Yeah, you can, but yeah. like as an idea. Yeah. It seems like direct-to-video. <laughs> well, we probably should have done more research on the the popularity and prominence of Madeline because she was very popular in the 90s. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there was a cartoon, and, like, everybody knew. Everyone was, like, aware of everyone Madeline. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was directed by Daisy Von Schurler Mayer. Wow. Um, who is known for her work on Madeline, Party Girl, House of Lies, and Halt and Catch Fire. I don't know any of those other Me things. Either. But... She seems like she has immaculate taste. Um, Madeline was produced by Stanley R. Jaff. He was the executive producer, and he worked on Kramer versus Kramer and Fatal Attraction, which are like Oscar movies. Yes. I think um, it's Jaffe. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. And then Saul Cooper was also a producer. He was um, a producer on the original Madeline cartoon, along with um, Poncho Connor. <laughs> They're like a producing duo. And then Alan Stewart was also a producer, and she worked on Trial by Fire, Sully, Land, and Madeline. Sully's like, so like, there's like some hard hitting producers on this as far as like Oscar bait mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Alan is a man's name, right? I think it's just a really extreme spelling of Alan. Oh. It's A-L-L-Y-N for those at home. I, I think it just reminds me more of... Like a, of Allie. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Sorry to Alan Stewart. Okay. And then I lastly, didn't mean to misgender you. <laughs> the Madeline books are written by Ludwig Bemelmans. <laughs> um, but Mark Levin and Jennifer Flackett wrote the screenplay. And they write on all the same stuff. They've written episodes of Big Mouth, um, Nim's Island, the movie, and Journey to the Center of the Earth, the movie. Is Nim's Island a cartoon? I believe. Okay. I believe it is. All right, all right, all right. So now we're getting into our logline and synopsis. So here is the first logline. Horrified at the prospect of her beloved school being sold, a young French girl uses her wit and craftiness to attempt to save it, making an unlikely new friend in the process. Okay, and then we have the little synopsis here. Parisian schoolgirl and orphan, Madeline schemes to save her boarding school and home from being closed and sold by its owner, the severe Lord Covington, whose benevolent wife has recently passed away. Madeline's sweet antics are often a burden to her good-hearted but stern headmistress, Miss Clavel, whose true appreciation of Madeline is revealed when Madeline and a schoolboy named Pepito are kidnapped. <laughs> That's a very fun chunk of text to read, I have yeah. to say. yeah. Miss Clavel, Pepito, all these names are so pleasant. Yeah, no notes. I think that was good. Mm -hmm. Taglines. We've got one, and it's extremely obvious, which kind of a letdown. But, you know, if you've read the books, you're aware of the popular phrases. And so the tagline is, In an old house in Paris that was covered with vines lived 12 little girls in two straight lines. That's that's right. I it's mean, so good. It's spot on. It's so good. I also feel like I can remember hearing 
like mom read that sentence to us yeah. like, when we were little kids. Yeah, me too. It's such a great children's book opener. It's literally yeah. perfect. I didn't include a whole lot of people for the cast either <laughs> because none of them have done anything. <laughs> well, I looked up and saw that Hattie Jones has not really done anything at all since yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe, these three are the the main ones. Well, maybe the reason why she didn't do anything, if you would like to share this information about who she almost was. Well, we were going to get to it. Do you want to talk about her last? Yeah. Okay. This is billing order. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Please take us away. So Frances McDormand, everybody... Any film nerd knows who Frances McDormand is. She plays Miss Clavel, and she is best known for Fargo, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Moonrise Kingdom, and Almost Famous. And, like, last year, she, I'm pretty sure she won Best Actress for Nomadland, or Nomadland won Best Picture. It was one of the two. But, yeah, she's, like, one of the main Oscar-winning bitches out there. Um, I liked that she brings just a level of skill to yes, this movie. And seriousness. Yeah. Also. Nigel Hawthorne plays Lord Covington, and he's known for the madness of King George, Demolition Man, and the object of my affection. He's just like also a serious film man. Apparently, they were considering Alan Rickman for this role too. I saw Perfect. online. I wish it was him just because yeah, I love him so much. They probably much. couldn't get him. Probably. But that's. That would have been good. Yes. And then finally, Hattie Jones plays Madeline. And I found out that she was second to Emma Watson to play Hermione. And that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like after watching the movie. Yes. Her little British attitude. Yeah. Like. She's very self-righteous. Yeah. And just like smart. Yeah. Um, She has like a presence about her and she's just really fucking cute Mm -hmm. so all those things it's also funny because when we were watching it we said to each other this movie is just like watching 12 hermione's all at once whenever the girls are together that's really what it feels like yeah yeah and madeline is her only film that that might not be a hundred percent true but as far as i'm concerned on imdb like it is her main film. And then she has some other TV credits, but... I just checked right before this, and she has, like, five in total. Like, yeah, it's like really the, It's, minimal. like, barren. Yeah. But apparently she got the part just by, like, she... Because we watched this interview clip of her talking last night, and she was like, I was in a drama class, and then... I can't do the accent. I went to a drama class, and uh, my drama teacher said to me one day, um, there are auditions going on for Madeline, the film. And um, so my mum said, well, why don't you go along? So I went along and they asked me to read a script and they'd say, you be Lolo, you be Madeline. And then we'd read the part and then um, they'd ask us questions about how many brothers we had, what school we went to. And they asked me back and back and back and back until they gave me the role. And I'm pretty sure she was blonde, but they wanted, you know, Madeline has red hair. Yeah. So they like dyed her hair and like mm. kind of did it up yeah. for her. Um, but she looks like a natural redhead. She does. I did not know it was dyed. Like, Are you I, sure it's dyed? I read that, but yeah. I don't know if it's true. Um, it suits her quite well. Yeah. And then budget. So, couldn't find a number for the budget. No. Not available. That is really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, upon domestic opening, they earned 
$6,414,668. And then on domestic worldwide gross. Yeah. Um, they earned $29,967,750. Yeah. I think they... <sighs> I don't know. It was weird. I could not, I really looked because normally it's not hard to find budget. You just Google it. It comes up. Doesn't come up for this movie, but I'm thinking they did uh, with their worldwide 29 million. I think they did make their money back. That would be my guess. It does look expensive. Okay. Now time to get into the reviews. Critic score, 65%. The critic consensus is it may be a tad tedious for older viewers, but Madeline's clever, adventurous heroine is likely to charm its intended audience. Yeah. Um, Tedious? I I didn't think it was tedious. For for a children's movie, it's very visually interesting. Yeah, I agree. Like, they're not... um, Serving the lowest common denominator. There's some taste, you know what I mean? I agree. Roger Ebert gave it three out of five stars. I pulled a quote from him. Mm -hmm. Madeline is a quietly charming movie for kids not too hyped on action and candy. It's assisted (laughs) mightily by the presence of McDormand and Hawthorne, who play their roles precisely, not broadly, and come across as people, not caricatures. It's not the noisy kind of movie that steamrolls kids into acceptance like Mortal Kombat, but one like Mulan or Dr. Doolittle that actually expects them to listen and pick up some of the character humor. Observe, for example, how the movie handles the impending death of the chicken, Fred, and Madeline's conversion to vegetarianism. (laughs) Was Mortal Kombat released the same weekend? I'm curious. Maybe. Okay. And now the audience score. Audience score is only 43%, which not to give away the second half, but that seems to be Shame on y'all. A bit heinous. Okay. So I think it could be a case of, like, the movie was smarter than the audience. I think you hit the nail right on the head with that one. Okay, so we have three little reviews here. The first one says, Rather boring and on the whole uninventive, pretty much sums up what happened in the major episodes of the television show. The Nun, Miss Clavel, is a delight, which doesn't extend much further out to the rest of the predictable movie, but it could be said it was worth it to watch Frances McDormand. I still was left mildly unimpressed. Boo. Second one. I used to love this movie. (laughs) Then I found out the dog had the same name as me. Genevieve. It was funny because like, and then I was like, oh, that's funny. And then I looked over and it was like Genevieve Smith. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. And then last but not least, A Kitty Delight with Fine Characterizations by Frances McDormand and Hattie Jones. I don't know why people think it's predictable though. I don't think it's predictable. I I think I have no fucking clue where that movie's going. I totally agree. Like it's twist after twist. It's down. It's I mean, it's weird event after weird event. Who would have predicted that you end up with like child kidnappers at a circus? No. Like I just didn't I didn't see that coming. I agree. So gossip section. We've recently discussed 1998 celebrity gossip with Billboard Dad. So instead, Audrey, what movies came out in 1998? The most popular movies from that year. The Truman Show, SLC Punk. I don't know that that's most popular, but it's got Matthew Lillard, so mm-hmm. I'm mentioning it. Pleasantville, Practical Magic, Meet Joe Black, Babe, Pig in the Big City, oh. and Stepmom. Babe, Pig in the Big City. I don't know if that's the one we had. That's another sleepover cinema. Do you remember us having a Babe yeah. movie? Babe made me feel like I was watching something I wasn't supposed to be watching. <laughs> yeah, like that felt forbidden to me for some reason. 
I don't know why. It doesn't really make, it's very, it's like appropriate. I don't know. I feel like there's some sort of like fat person thing in it. Hmm. I got to remember which one we had. I, was it Babe Pig and What Big would City? that have to do with feeling like you can't watch you it? You know, just like when you watch mm-hmm. stuff when you're too young and it feels sort of wrong. I have some kind of memory with Babe, whatever. What else do you remember about this movie? So I don't think I had seen this movie since I was like 10. Very young. Me too. It had been a long time. Yeah, but I th- I know we used to check it out of the library. Yes, and it definitely made a really big impact on me. Um, I used to do this really weird thing that I was going to tell Audrey last night, but then I decided to save it. Okay, so you know how Miss Clavel has the running thing where she's like, something is not right. So the one, the first thing she does when it's when it's Madeline having her appendix taken out. This is weird. Everyone just buckle up. This was like my young child brain. For some <laughs> reason, I like equated. Madeline's appendix with like pregnancy even though she's obviously a child like so basically when I was little I would stuff all of my blankies like my sashis like my little blankets under my like pajamas so it looked like I was pregnant this was so weird and I would I would like get out of bed and be like something is not right and then drop all of the sashis out of my pajamas. I, I thought it was going to be weirder. You made it sound like it was like weird. Well, not, I mean, if it was really weird, I, pr- <laughs> I probably wouldn't say it on here because, you know, some level of self-preservation would be good. Yeah. What else do you remember? Just how scary the medical trauma stuff was. Yes. Um, and they hit you with that right out of the gate. Too. Yeah. And just like, there's some really serious themes in this movie. So I think I had the impression of it that it was somewhat more of like a serious movie. Yes. Yes. And also the dresses that the girls wear to Pepito's birthday party. Big impact. I loved that. <laughs> and I wanted that. What you were saying last night was really funny too about their ages. Like your your perception oh, of the yeah. ages. Like when I first saw it, I probably was about the same age as them. Or maybe maybe a little younger, but they're pretty young. They look to be like six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Like in that range. Yeah. Um, and I thought they were such like mature ladies. I was yeah. like, look at Victoria. Her name's Victoria, yeah. right? Like, look at Victoria like coming after Madeline's man or like that. And like, <laughs> yeah. that's so wrong or whatever. Yeah. But now I'm like, they're just little babies walking around. They're so little. I they're agree. younger than like... As an ensemble, they are younger than, like, any movie I've seen. Yeah, probably. They're really funny also. Yeah. Like, we'll talk about that more in the second half. The other things I remember is that I remember Pepito being the worst. And I thought that he had a Komodo dragon, not a snake, but he has a snake. And I remember watching specifically the dog rescuing Madeline from the river part um, at the Sigford's house, at Aaron and Julia's house. And I remember the birthday party thing, but that was really all I remembered going into it. Yeah, I mean, plot point wise, I couldn't tell you like anything. Like, I really did not remember the events. I remembered the appendix thing, obviously. I just knew that something happened. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And I didn't remember that like the whole movie is about selling the school. Right. Like, I did not. Nothing. Yeah. Just the visuals are very striking. I think that's what stuck with me the most. Yeah, definitely. and like the cover of the DVD. I know the tilting is extremely <laughs> good. Thing, yeah, yeah. And like I, I already edited the thumbnail for this 
this episode and I was like looking into that graphic mm-hmm. and like it's so constructed. Really? <laughs> that graphic is like not, it's not a picture they took. Like if you look at uh, Francis McDormand's hands, like it's just very like, like put together, which is common, really common for movie covers. Mm-hmm. Cause like a lot of movies, they just won't promo shots for the cover or yeah. they didn't have a still photographer on the set. It's like a epidemic, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you look at a, a movie poster and it's just like, how did you like, how'd you come, come that up conclusion? with this yeah, of definitely. all things? And sometimes they come up with some great stuff that like works. Yeah. And I think this is an example of that. I yes. think it works. Well, because like it's also sort of in the style of like a children's book illustration. Yeah. So it totally works. Yeah. Okay. So we rented this movie on Amazon. Wah, wah. I know. But you can get it there very accessibly. So or YouTube. Really? Anything you can get on Amazon, you can get on YouTube. Like renting? Yeah. You mean? Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so please go watch this movie. We've done a really good job of not spoiling our opinion on this one. Um, please go watch it and meet us back here. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. Okay, everyone, we are back, and it is time to talk about 1998's live-action spectacular Madeline. So normally we would talk about what we appreciate first. However, there is a lot to appreciate in this movie, so do you think we should do our worst things first? No, because what is even? what do you even have? Yeah, I guess. I have I guess, nothing. No, I really don't have anything either. Okay, <laughs> so this movie was, like, awesome. Yeah, it was... Um, a delight as an adult. I don't agree with anyone who is saying it's predictable or there, you know, it's immature. Like there's not no. things in there for adults. Like it's, it's great. Probably one of the more mature movies we've covered. I totally agree. And okay, so the one thing I'd written under, like, it's not bad, but it's like a thought is just like, if anything, the movie goes like shockingly in depth into like death and like independence and stuff. Like in the first hour, Madeline gets really traumatically sent off to the hospital. She talks to Lady Covington and then she dies like mm-hmm. hours later. And then the whole chicken thing, like they're not messing around. No, there's pretty much every issue you can touch on that is relevant to a child of that age. Yeah. Like, that's what I appreciated about it, um, too. The entire movie is that the events of it and the stakes of it are relevant to somebody that age. Yes. Like, they're not making it bigger than it needs to be or mm-hmm. older than it needs to be or, yeah. like, 
j- dumbing it down. Yeah. They're like, definitely not dumbing it down. Four children, but they're still talking about real things. Yeah. Which like the like Mr. Rogers mm-hmm. fan in me like appreciates. Yeah. Because kids do not need to be talked down to. Yeah. It's true. And that's a huge problem that Mr. Rogers was fighting to solve. <laughs> um if you ever want to feel inspired, go watch his like Senate hearing. I don't know if it was Senate or I'm pretty sure it was in the Senate. I, but yeah. he talks about how the violent images that they were seeing mm-hmm. or like even like cartoons like Tom and Jerry type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How that was like demeaning mm-hmm. to them and like y- yeah. I feel that if we in public television can only make it clear that feelings are mentionable and manageable, we will have done a great service for mental health. I think that it's much more dramatic that two men could be working out their feelings of anger, much more dramatic than showing something of gunfire. I'm constantly concerned about what our children are seeing. And for 15 years, I have tried in this country and Canada to present what I feel is a meaningful expression of care. Don't even get me started. I was to say, we can't get too in depth on Mr. Rogers. But I think Mr. Rogers would be happy with it. Yeah. And that's how I'm going to rate every movie. (laughs) We know we have the Roger Ebert and the Mr. Rogers. The Rogers. The double Roger. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I mean, there might be like, not even though. But honestly, we can probably credit that to the books. Yes. The books do a good job, as I recall, of talking about real things mm-hmm. and like not dumbing it down. Yeah, definitely. But I want to reread them. I know. Because I don't actually remember that much. Me neither. I just remember the opening because it's so iconic and it's yeah. repeated every time. Um, so other things I had underappreciate some specifics. The production design is really beautiful. Everyone's outfits are interesting and colorful and cute. Um, it's giving Wes Anderson. Yes, yes, yes. But like less pretentious. Yeah. Um. Definitely agreed. All of the little girls are amazing. They're so fun and cute. I know I said that in the first half, but they're like, everyone is distinct, even though they all look exactly like my cousin Aaron. That's <laughs> what I wrote down. They all felt really familiar to me. And like, I know like... There, uh, it's a bunch of white girls, so obviously yeah. that is true. Um, but I just felt like I I could have been a part of that group when I was a kid, you know? It's fun to imagine. And then I have some specific little moments that I thought were funny or interesting. At the very beginning, when the narration is saying that, like, the girls like to smile at the good and frown at the bad, and they smile at this couple that's just, like, making out on a bench. I thought that was really funny. And then they frown at... um Gardeners, gardeners that are fighting. That was good. Um, the face of evil. Literally the worst gardeners thing. Gardeners fighting. Gardeners getting into it. Absolutely. Lady Covington was serving and then she died five seconds later. Literally, she lived. Yeah. She served, you know what? And then she died. <laughs> absolutely. That is what happened. Oh, and then this is also really specific, but when they're in the... When Pepito and Madeline are abducted and they're sitting in like the van thing or whatever, and Madeline is trying to like affirm Pepito in uh like I don't even remember what even was it. 
What are you talking about? When she says, I miss the girls. Oh, well, yeah, Pepito's like feeling insecure because he's finally like fessing up the fact that he feels, you know, like his parents don't even want him. Meanwhile, Madeline's over here an orphan. Yeah. She's like, he's like complaining to her about his setup. She doesn't even have Set parents. <laughs> and yeah. so he's like, <laughs> he's like talking about it. And she's like, she's basically like, yeah, Pepito, I, yes. And then like three seconds later, she's like, I miss the girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, like I miss the girls. <laughs> yeah. She's like, Pepito, you're great. You're totally fine. He's like, you really think so? And she like doesn't respond. And she's just like, I miss the girls. Like that was just really, really funny. And that also just like lends itself to the fact that this entire movie is girls rule, boys drool. Absolutely. At every turn, the like, boys are drooling. We can give them a chance, I guess. Yeah. That's the, basically the message is like, they're okay. Maybe they'll have a moment of... Um, Redemption. weakness oh, where you can yeah. see their truth or yes, whatever. Yes. But other than that, like girls only. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Lord Covington too, because he's, he's dealing with his grief in the wrong way and trying to shut down the school as like a grief response. Yeah. And then and he, he gets called the fuck out by he Madeline. Does, he does get called at out. At least he has the good sense to own up to it. Yeah. She's very good at getting boys to do that. Yeah. That's one of her strengths. It's her... Yes, she gets both Pepito and Lord Covington to speak their truth. Also, I forgot to say that at the very end, when the school is saved by the ambassador and she has a hammer and sickle pin on, and she's like this beautiful Uzbek ambassador, it was a great moment. It's also like a little reveal because they think that the man is the ambassador and then he's like, no, it's her. <laughs> yeah, again. Another girl boss moment. Girl boss moment. Um, Daisy, I, the director, really <laughs> went off. I also just really loved, um, I liked the like weird ambassador motif. It's like everyone who comes to maybe Passports buy the house. Paris? Ambassador? Actually, all these ambassadors come in and they're all in these like really beautiful outfits that are representative of the countries they came from, which actually leads me to my only problematic note, which is when the like, I don't even know if they specify where this one couple's from, but the woman's in a sari and the guy's in like traditional clothing as well. And she walks in and she's like, there's good karma here. And it's like, that's not even how karma works. Yeah. So that was like the one thing. Yeah. You know what else this movie really teaches you? Hmm. The power of getting attention when you're sick. Oh, yeah. No, like this, if you were like a baby hypochondriac, this yeah. movie's going to be your gateway drug. Absolutely. It's only going down from here. <laughs> this and Ferris Bueller's day off. Yep. She gets so much attention for being sick. She's sick twice in this movie. Yeah, and like to the point where all the girls also want their appendix out. Like yeah. I, that kind of feeling is real when you're a kid. Like yeah. whoever's getting attention you kind of want it. I used to feel like I wanted glasses. Yeah. Braces, I, yeah, glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you get attention. Want. A cast. So people sign your mm -hmm. cast. You just want something bad. You want something awful to happen to you when so you're a kid. feel bad for you. Yeah. And the, they throw daisies at your feet. These animated opening credits are cute as fuck. Yes. And the fact that it also fades back to cartoon at the end mm -hmm. brings you right into the world. It's just nice. It's a nice... Um, visual and it's a nice device. Yes. 
because we, you know, we like to talk about that here when, you, when it's an adaptation. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to do it? So it feels that it's in the same world. Yeah. And they, they did that. When Miss Clavel is praying at the side of her bed, she looks just like Fräulein Maria yes, in The Sound of Music and they're doing the exact same thing. Praying for each of the children. <laughs> I obviously appreciate that. And she's like, especially, did you say especially Madeline? Probably. And that then would make sense. especially Lee's soul and the sound of music. Yeah. Very similar. I, there's kind of a lot of movies you can compare this to. It's kind of like Annie. It's kind of like Eloise. It's yes. kind of like a lot of things. And the, the commonality I, between all of those is that they're really based on text. Mm-hmm. Um, And I feel like, and this is true with anything, like when limited TV series or like TV series are based on books, the first season is always lit as fuck. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. it falls off immediately. Yeah. Because they don't have all of that. Um, like fleshed out. Fleshed out yeah. text to go off of. But I think it just make it always makes for a good first movie. Yes. When you have a book to go off of or a franchise or like mm-hmm. something specific. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to like come up with everything out of nowhere. Yeah. This movie sparked, I think, potentially, my fear and hatred of boys <laughs> when I was really? that little. Yeah, it was probably a part of fear it. Fear and hatred? <laughs> hatred? <laughs> I had, like, one friend that was a boy in elementary school. Yeah, I guess you're yeah, right. I mean... I mean, my only boyfriend was Cameron. Yeah. Who is extremely gay. Yeah, I mean... What did I, what, I wasn't wasting my time. It wasn't like <laughs> fear. I wasn't like afraid of boys. Well, but. but there is something scary about like mean, like Nike wearing boys. Yeah, like I just avoided school. them. Like, yeah. I'm like, I don't, what are we going to talk about? Nothing. We have nothing in common already. Nothing at all. <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah. And it is what it is. The credits music. What a wonderful no, world. The credit. Oh, the Carly music. Simon. The Carly Simon original song. Original song. Where she literally just says random things from the movie. It's the best thing I've ever heard. It is good. We were really vibing with it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it was Carly Simon. Amazing. Yep. And like, should they have won best original song at the Oscars? Yeah. I wonder what did that year. Probably like something really serious Truman Show something there's no original there's no music origi- in the Truman Show I don't think so there might be like themes but I don't think there's any like song yeah. song when did you when do you think you did you ever stop hating boys I mean hate's like not a, hating hate's but not like, a correct word I feel like we're both still kind of like that I mean at this point we're adults so it's men we're right. talking about men yes <laughs> um I have lots of young boy students who I love, who are really nice, really fun, really interesting. Even teenagers, I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, when it's when they're your age, it's just like, how yeah. do you view your peer group? Like, mm-hmm. it's just different when when you've already been that age and yeah. you can see, you like know, what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you get it. You if they have like a shtick or like they're weird in some way, like you get it. Yeah, because you've been that age. Yes. I don't know. I try not to make generalizations know, such really as that. Generalizations. Because I have no clue. I also don't communicate with enough of them to actually know. That's have, why I'm saying yeah. there's a rift. Yes. 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 Okay. So 
literally, I wish that there was more of a reach that we could do to be more critical of this. And truly, we had not seen this movie in a long time. But yeah, literally, this movie was beautiful, fun, entertaining, well put together, aged really well. Fun for the whole family. Pepito is cute. All the girls are cute. Oh, you know what? I'm going to put this on our Instagram, but there's this little interview that Hattie Jones did. Um, It's like some random news station. And the woman asks her, do you think that little boys will like this movie? And even like Hattie Jones, she's like, you know, nine or something in this clip. She's like, she's like, um, well, Pepito has a, um, like a motorcycle. So do you think little boys are going to like this as much as little girls? Well, um, I think probably because, um, there's Pepito in it mm-hmm. because Pepito has a motorbike. Pepito's the, the son of the Spanish ambassador who lives yeah. next door, right? And um, he has a motorbike and he's quite boisterous. So I think they're not going to, I think it's not going to be a big fan. Plus, don't you think boy. down deep inside, little boys really like strong little girls? Probably. I think so too, <laughs> even though they don't admit it. I do feel like in that way, this movie feels very baby gay to me, just in the sense that like, the men in it are just a nuisance period. Yeah. Like there's not there's really no romance. Yeah. It's like some of the girls think Pepito is cute, but those are the girls that Madeline thinks are the worst. Yeah. And the final beat of their storylines is like hugging, like Madeline hugging Victoria. Like that's the final beat of Victoria's storyline. Yes. Victoria is the do. snotty girl. Yeah. Um, And there's even, there's even that part um, when Pepito and Madeline disappear, when this guy who's trying to help them is like, is there any chance they're on like a romantic runaway adventure? And the Pepito's parents and Miss Clavel like, are like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> they hate each other. Like, it's just perfect. Yeah. I have no notes for this movie. It's really fun though. So you should actually watch it if you haven't watched it. Yeah. It's really cozy. I do feel... Well, actually, I'm kind of surprised. I think maybe more people than I think have seen it. Yeah. It feels like somehow, like, oh, no one in the world has seen this movie. Right, right. But surely, like, everyone's mom was renting it from the library or something. Definitely. It's a library movie. Yeah. I mean, we should have owned it. We should have. Imagine if we had. (laughs) Where would we be now? (laughs) Who knows? Right here. (laughs) Literally nothing would have changed. The exact same thing. Perfect movie. Thank you for listening to us say good things about it. It was really fun to watch. Um, And I know that we have been um, shitting on a lot of things lately. So it's nice to just have something positive to reflect upon. Thank you to this movie for existing. And thank you for listening. We will be back next week as always with another episode. I don't know what we're doing next. No. We haven't figured it out yet. We have lots of choices. As always, let us know if there are movies that you want us to do. We will add it to our letterbox list. And also, as always, if you would like to check out some of our merchandise, you can go to twopinkpictures.com slash shop. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, scrunchies, pens, stickers, uh, many, many things. Any last words? Just watch Madeline, guys. Please watch it. It's as good as Eloise at Christmas time. Yeah. And it, not, and it's like it's not even seasonal. So yeah. So please go give it a watch, and uh, we will be back soon. Bye. Bye. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. 
Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer of the show is Michael D'Aloya. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you love Sleepover Cinema, if it's become a staple of your weekly routine, or if it's a new show you've been listening to, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode with a few friends, maybe even both. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Bye. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.